You're listening to a Bellingcat Discord server stage talk titled Collaborating with our Discord Community. The talk featured Bellingcat researcher Yuri van der Weide. Yuri spoke to us about his latest article looking to incidents from the IDF raid of Janine Westbank, an article that was produced with Bellingcat Discord members. During the talk, Yuri broke down how the Discord community members got involved in the research and how Bellingcat hoped to work with our wider community in the future. The talk was hosted by Charlotte Marr on Thursday the 10th of August in the Bellingcat Discord server. We're excited to be joined today by Bellingcat researcher Yuri van der Weide. Yuri covers many different topics as an open source researcher, but has a special skill for geolocation with satellite imagery and identification of arms. He's recently written guides on how to geolocate using sun and shadows, broken down the art of chronolocation, and exposed human rights abuses across Africa and the Eastern Mediterranean. Today, he's here to talk about his most recent article, on the IDF raids. The research was carried out in collaboration with Bellingcat researcher Fuke Posma and users from this very Discord server, which is Chris Oziak, Gabor Friesen, and Remy Van Humbik. Yuri will be speaking about the research itself and then about working with the Discord community itself as well, which is super exciting. Please put all questions that you might have as he talks in the chat, and I'll be monitoring them throughout the discussion. Uh, thank you so much for speaking today, Yuri. And as they say, the floor is yours. Months ago, there was this Israeli incursion into um, a refugee camp in Jenin. Uh, it was one of the biggest Israeli raids in, I think, like more than a decade, right? Um, I was kind of reading the news, following the news, and I saw this this was happening. And I started to to look into that. Um, and that led to this article that came out um, yeah, recently. And we, in the article, we focus on two cases um, that occurred during the same raid, right? Uh, the same Israeli incursion into uh, Janine, uh, which is a Palestinian city on the West Bank. And um, yeah, the, the two cases, the two um, incidents are a bit different, but they are. Uh, all related to this incursion. So um, the article starts with uh, one case. Um, this was an alleged drone strike. Um, we found um, security camera footage of men standing just in the street. And all of a sudden there is this big blast and we see that the men are injured and possibly some of them died, right? Um, so. With the help of uh, Discord community members, Chris Osik, uh, Raymond van Humbeek, uh, Harbour Friesen, right? We started to look into that. Um, they did a lot of um, the geolocation work, um, found out where that occurred, right? Um, so we had the place. We then also figured out more or less when that happened, trying to see uh, if this was something from this raid or something that could have uh, happened before. Um, later on, we found a longer version of the same security uh, camera footage. Um, all of that like helped us check whether um, yeah this was really um, what what people were saying it was right. Um, so a lot of 
social media channels were, were sharing the same footage. Um, so at least we knew where it happened. Um, yeah. When, right. It was only more difficult to figure out. Yeah. Who, who were the people involved? Right. We still don't know exactly, um, why these people, these men were targeted. Right. Um, we did reach out to the Israeli military and also the Palestinian authority to, um, to get more information about uh, what happened there, or at least uh, to uh, confirm the identities of the, of the people. So the Palestinian authorities didn't um, respond to us. Uh, the Israelis did reply, but um, we asked specifically about this case. And the answer they gave us was very um, broad, right? Uh, it wasn't really, um, yeah, connected to to uh, this case, right? They just said that um, the airstrikes they carry out, they um, it's kind of a last resort. They uh, take a lot of steps to mitigate civilian harm, um, but they didn't tell us uh, why they chose to bomb this location um, or yeah um what intelligence they had uh what was the reason for for this right um there was a local uh palestinian news station that um interviewed one of the alleged victims right uh, but we couldn't really yeah confirm that this person was in the video because the video is taken from a bit further away so it's really difficult to confirm the the faces, right? Match the faces. So that was one case. That's a bit more brief, right? Um, the other case, um, we found a little bit more um, about the, the circumstances there. Um, this case, well, how it started, my colleague Fuke, um, he, he knew I was looking into this um, and he saw a video of, um, yeah, bodies of that man uh, lying in the streets uh, between parked cars. And he started looking for, um, yeah, for the location. He couldn't find it immediately. So he shared it with uh, people in the, uh, in the Discord community in the Israel-Palestine channel. And yeah, in, in a couple of hours, uh, I think it was Gabor Friesen who, who found uh, the location. So in a couple of hours, we, we had a, location and from there we started to yeah try to piece together what had happened and we found out quite a bit of the the whole circumstances i think one difficulty there was also that um this militant group uh al quds brigade right that is considered a terrorist organization by israel and some other nation states um they um put out also a lot of information, but then the question is like, what if this uh, is true and what not? What is propaganda and, and um, yeah, uh, what, what here can we really verify? Um, so after that happened, right? Like the first video we saw was of the dead bodies. And then we had to go a couple of steps back to try to uh, yeah find out more. So we found, um, that there was a bulldozer uh, there just around the corner from where these men were found dead. Um, and this bulldozer was removing barriers, also destroying the asphalt on the street. And um, th 
this or Telegram channels affiliated with the Al Quds Brigades, they also shared videos of the same bulldozer uh, while um, it, it passed by an IED and you see a, a, an explosion. Um, then there was another video a couple of minutes later or yeah, several minutes later uh, where we see explosives uh, being thrown at the bulldozer and you see a couple of smaller explosions. And like later on, right, as we investigate this, we also found uh, another video, also a security camera video uh, from like the same corner, but showing a different part of the of the street, right? It was the other side of the corner. Um, and in this video, we saw two men, two young men, like uh, early 20s, late teens, right? And um, they were holding objects. We don't know for sure what these objects were. One object was cylindrical. Um, it could have been explosives, but we don't know this for sure. We cannot see the bulldozers in this uh, footage and vice versa. In the footage where we see the, um, the bulldozers, we don't see the men. We only see that explosives are being thrown, but we don't know who threw it. We don't know for sure, let's say. Um, but yeah, in, in this video where you see the men, eventually they are shot and they collapse to the ground. The object falls out of the hand of one of the uh, of the men. More men come running um, out of um, adjacent building and start carrying the men away. One is carried inside, the other one is carried behind an SUV that's parked there. Um, and then later on, um, yeah, pictures appear of um, dead bodies at that location where they tracked the one of the men, right? Um, so we, yeah, the the article, right, the investigation tried to reconstruct this case. And yeah, we focused on just these two cases, um, but there were many other cases that were um, yeah, covered by different media organizations, right? Like the BBC and the Times wrote about another case. Um, but yeah, we focused on um, these two incidents because... Uh, they didn't receive that much um, media attention as far as we, we could tell, right? And yeah, that was that was pretty much the reason for us to focus on these. And also because we were able to find out a little bit more of the circumstances in, um, in these two cases. Yuri, I, I mean, I think it would be quite nice if we can uh, first talk about the article. Um, since you've just, if, if you don't mind me directing some questions about the article itself, and then maybe after a little bit, we can switch to talking a little bit more about kind of how Bellingcat works with the community in a little bit more detail, if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Fabulous. Okay. Um, my, well, Bob first has a question. Uh, Bob the Miner says, how did you find extra footage slash source material on the instance as you kept finding new videos about the incidents? In, in some cases, it was really just looking um, through Telegram channels, right, uh, from local people. Um, sometimes these channels are affiliated with uh, some kind of militant group. Sometimes those are more like, yeah, local media um, 
groups or something or like news groups. Um, but I, I kept going through it. And um, as we found more locations, um, so you, you have a video, maybe in the beginning, you don't know where it was filmed. Um, but uh, once it's geolocated, you have like this, the street name or the name of an area. So I started also um, yeah, searching for videos or pictures uh, that were tagged with the, the name of the area. And um, yeah, in, in doing this, I, I found more, uh, more footage, more information. Fraser asks, how long were, were you looking, working on the story yeah. for? How long were you looking at it? I, I think in total, uh, from start to end, until the date of publication, it took about a month, I'd say. Yeah, um, because like the article was published when it was last week, right? So um, yeah, it was something like a month. Um, yeah. Just to build on that, um, I wanted to ask kind of what were the difficulties with this particular kind of research? Kind of what are the difficulties with looking in this particular area of the world? Um, what were the kind of things that you came up against uh, when doing this research? Yeah. So some are difficult to uh, doing, you know, geolocations in, in those areas, right? Um, and, you know, uh, I, I was lucky here because I got a lot of help from uh, guys like uh, Chris Ozik, um, Remy van Humbeek, Robert Friesen, the guys from, from uh, the Israel-Palestine channel, right? Um, but in general, right, if you're looking in areas where you don't have uh, street view, for example, you have to rely to be a bit more creative when um, trying to find reference material, right? Uh, so you have a video that you're trying to geolocate. Um, in, in some cases, all you will have is going to be satellite imagery. Um, but sometimes there is going to be something, maybe not on uh, Google Street View, uh, because it's not available there, but on Mapillary. Um, but yeah, what I noticed, Mapillary doesn't really go inside the camp. It stays around the edges of the camp. Uh, so you have to find other videos, right? And uh, so I think that was one of the difficulties, um, not just for me, for the other people as well. Um, but, you know, uh, these guys have been following Israel-Palestine uh, closely, so I think uh, they know the area pretty well by now, right? So maybe that helps as well, right? Uh, once you get more familiar with an area, um, you recognize certain things um, that can help. Um, something else, um, I think one of the difficulties here is also you're dealing with uh, a complex situation, right? It's a conflict. Um, people, right? Like, the Al-Quds Brigade will put something forward. Uh, you don't know if it's true, but you have to check it. And I think um, when it comes to this, the, the people from the editorial, Bellingcast editorial team, uh, helped us out quite uh, quite a lot because they are very skeptical to everything uh, that's being put forward, all the claims that these groups make, whether it's the uh, Israeli army or... Uh, a militant group, right? So I, I got a lot of questions from them, try to answer as many as I could and, and like uh, explain to them why I believed certain bits were, were true, right? Uh, so I, I think those were the, the main 
difficulties just from the top of my head. Great. Uh, Kalim asks, how do you determine if source of the video is legitimate and not something like an old footage since there's an information void in the region? So how do you kind of make sure that the source of the video is legit and uh, current? Yeah, so it varies. It's a case-by-case thing, but you, you need to start somewhere. And oftentimes, starting with a location is the best way. And then you can do, uh, if you know where it happens, uh, a little, yeah, chrono location, just checking whether the shadows um, match what, what you'd expect, right? Uh, for example, if you're saying this happened in the, in the morning, um, does this correspond, right? Um, you try to see also when things were posted because though it doesn't say whether it was filmed months before, it gives you like an ultimate, um, a last possible date, right? And then you work back from there. Um, you do some um, yeah reverse image searches right uh, on certain keyframes of the video to see whether this video had been floating around somewhere before. Um, also, you, um, what I saw is that multiple channels were sharing the same video, right? Um, or like sometimes not the same, not exactly the same video, right? Um, but a video of of the aftermath. And then you see like pictures from just before in a different channel uh, that were uploaded maybe a couple of minutes before. So this also gives you like uh, an idea whether this is like genuine or not. So yeah, uh, it, it's not a very concise answer, right? It also varies a little bit, but those are, I think, the, the typical steps you would take. And then when you're looking at footage, particularly uh, in a breaking news event like this, uh, where the raids are happening and footage is flooding into social media, um, how do you determine which videos to focus on? How do you kind of, uh, what makes it qualified that it's something that Bellingcat might want to like look into or an open source researcher might want to look into? Kind of what, are, what points in the videos are you looking for? Like um, uh, why we chose the, the videos and, and the, the events that we we chose, right? Um, yeah, good question. And I think we, we also have the benefit that we are not that much in a rush, so we get a little bit more time to uh, investigate um, these incidents, right? Um, but in general, right, like uh, why these two? Well, in this case, it, it was, uh, well, videos, footage of casualties, right? Uh, people that either died or were severely injured. Uh, so those are a bit, um, yeah, on a different level than, I don't know, someone who was slapped, right? Just to, to name something. So uh, this was one thing, but there were also other cases that we didn't include in the article. Um, and why didn't we go forward with those, right? Uh, it also depends a little bit on um, what you can find out about those cases. So if you aren't able to really corroborate what happened there, um, then there is less of a reason to you know, put this out. So we had a number of different cases, but um, yeah, not all of them we were able to yeah, either geolocate or uh, find more 
yeah, corroborated material. So those things we, we take into account. When you are looking at um, a conflict zone, because um, I know you've worked in quite a few uh, in on stories in quite a few conflict zones now, and obviously uh, Israel and Palestine uh, could be conceived as a conflict zone. What advice would you give to an open source researcher who's new to covering a conflict zone? Uh, just thinking out loud, right? Um, I think when I started doing these things, um, that was back when Twitter was Twitter and not X. Um, a couple of years ago already. And um, since then, a number of conflicts uh, happened, right? Uh, there was uh, what happened in uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, um, other things as well. And oftentimes there, there is a lot being shared, right? And um, yeah, it, it's, for me, what I feel, it's kind of tempting to, you know, start doing too much, right? Like start hopping from one case to another and everything seems to be equally yeah, important or each equally, um, yeah, you, you want to focus on pretty much everything multitask and that's a little bit difficult sometimes, right? I think um, trying to do all the geolocations on your own is maybe a bit, um, yeah, too much, right? Um, so I think it's always good to collaborate with other people who are sharing your interest um, so that you can cover more. And I think it's all, always good to remember that we are not really competing against each other, right? Uh, that, yeah, it's nice to be the first when you find something, um, but that isn't in, in the grand scheme of things. I don't think it's that important, right? Um, and you see it here, right? Like um, other people will will have find a, a location that can help you in, yeah, writing writing down something, writing an article, or um, in some other cases, right? Um, it could even help you geolocate a different video because maybe this happened just around the corner from a different incident. And you just happen to be looking into this incident. So I think it's always good to remember, yeah, you, you aren't really competing against someone else, right? And I don't think, yeah, here in, in this Discord server, I don't think there is really this um, this feeling or this atmosphere. Um, but I, I think in the wider community, some, some people might feel like, okay, I want to be the first, right? And they... When they don't get to be the first, they might get uh, demotivated. But yeah, I, I don't think uh, you have to be. It's it's um, the the important thing is to know what's going on, uh, to follow what other people are are doing, um, and try to contribute where where you can. Right? You don't need to dive into it. Um, yeah, uh, like head over heels and uh, forget about everything else. Um, Take it easy, contribute whenever you can. Um, also, yeah, don't forget about your own mental well-being um, because, yeah, if, if you start focusing on something without any breaks, that's another thing, right? Uh, so also be aware of that. I, I think that's probably even more important than, than all the other stuff that I was saying. And if you want to hear a little bit more about that, you can listen back to Noreen's talk uh, from two weeks ago, which is on 
our RSS feed and also on our SoundCloud. Um, Nick Morgan asks, if you're covering a conflict zone but don't understand the local languages in the regions or used on social media, how do you work around that? How do you work around language barrier? And was that the case for you in this instance? Yeah, so I actually don't speak Arabic or Hebrew. Um, actually, funnily enough, my uh, grandfather, he uh, was uh, a Palestinian. But um, yeah, he spoke the language, but you know, his family immigrated to Brazil and they it kind of got lost, right? Uh, so I don't speak Arabic, um, but yeah, you know, for, for getting the basics, um, just to understand what's going on, uh, trying to decipher messages, then yeah, obviously Google Earth, uh, Google Translate or DeepL, you, you have these kind of applications um, that you can use. Um, in some cases, right, I, I was like just pestering other people who do speak Arabic, right? So people in the Discord or people that I know, uh, colleagues, right? So I was knocking on their door and they helped me out a lot. Um, yeah. So I, I usually go about doing it this way. So I try to translate a couple of keywords into Arabic that I can then use to search for uh, content. And uh, when I find something, I translate it with Google Translate or, or another application. And when it's a video and trying to decipher what's being said, so unfortunately there, Google Translate, um, as far as I know, yeah, doesn't really work that well. I'm not aware of other applications that do a much better uh, yeah, job at that. Maybe you guys know, so uh, feel free to drop it in the chat. Um, but yeah, in those cases, I would rely on a colleague. I often find once you've uh, kind of found that key phrase that people are using on social media as well, like we used to call it a hashtag, but now it's really just a phrase that people use, uh, tend to be around current events that can be really useful. So once you've got that in the language, um, for example, uh, like the, the phrase that people were commonly using to share the videos, the IDF raid, that can be really useful then to kind of find all of the other um, source, sources and datas. Um, Kam says, not a question, just wondering that it would have been a good addition if there were local reporters to identify the bodies and maybe speak with the families to understand more. Um, yes, I think uh, that region particularly is lacking in, in local journalists, unfortunately. Um, David B says... Yeah, actually... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, um, I, I can maybe like uh, add something to that, right? Um, so after these events, um, I, I was talking about the, the men that were shot. Um, Actually, some local reporters did go and speak to the family, and um, yeah, so so there were some interviews with uh, with the family there. Um, we in the end, right? Like we weren't able to verify everything. I do think it was uh, genuine, right? Like uh, I, I did find the father of one of the guys, right? Uh, I, I mean, like this channel was interviewing him. That seemed to check out. And uh, yeah, so there were some people going there. I mentioned that other reporter uh, who went to um, to interview one uh, one in one victim of the other uh, incident, right? Like there was this airstrike. Um, 
they went to speak to one of the alleged victims. Uh, again, I couldn't really verify that he was one of the people in the video, um, but they did speak to uh, the, the alleged victim. So there, there are some people like working there um, and apparently it's accessible, right? Like the, the area, um, they, they can go in and out. Um, but yeah, like uh, we don't have uh, all this connection with local reporters there. I think some of the people in Discord were saying they, they knew a couple of local reporters, but I could, I might be mistaken. I'm sorry, I can't see the full name. Uh, but it begins with an L, uh, says, what is the most useful thing for checking an archive or Bellingcat's collective memory on footage? So what's the most useful thing for checking an archive? Um, Chris has suggested Atlas. Um, I don't know if you have any other suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, so Atlas, um, for, for this case, right, like uh, Chris from the Israel-Palestine uh, people, right? He gave me access to um, to this uh, website. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, it's kind of like a database, right? Where um, they're adding all kinds of like footage that they geolocated to a map. Uh, so it has information on the geolocation, on, on the uh, on when it happened, etc. Um, but it's, uh, it's close, right, Chris? Uh, so I don't know if Chris is listening in, but yeah, you would have to contact him to to check that. Um, but more in general, um, yeah, checking the archive. Yeah, I don't know if you mean like uh, a bank of like photos, right? Like uh, a database of photos uh, that we checked or something like this, or do you mean something more like archive.org, like the Wayback Machine? Um, in general, right? Uh, usually, what I do, I start with a reverse image search and try to see if this um, image or video exists somewhere else on the internet, and then try to go back. Um, I don't have like an archive per se; just the images that I save myself. Uh, so I, I'm, yeah, afraid I don't really have a good answer to your question. I'll also just do a little promotion because uh, Bellingcat have a tool called the Auto Archiver, which a lot of our team use as well, uh, which can also be useful when you want to archive content that you found, um, if that's also what you mean. Um, Subtle Knife just confirmed that it's closed. Um, Chris is here, but he, he's not listening, unfortunately, because he can't. Um, but yes, it's closed. Um, I think this brings us on to a really nice point to understand how Chris, Gabba, and Remy got involved. Um, what, how, did, how did those particular names kind of call out to you from the Discord server, and how did this collaboration kind of start? Yeah. So going back how the, the investigation actually started, right? So I, I was just following the news, saw this was happening, started to look into this and to be honest i wasn't that active on uh on here right? like on on discord before i had an account um but i i was hardly ever logging in and uh checking out what was happening um but then i, I was looking into this looking for yeah content on telegram for example i shared 
with my colleagues, with Giancarlo and with others, uh, I, I told them that I was working on this and Giancarlo actually told me, hey, take a look uh, in, in Discord, right? Uh, some of the guys there in the Israel-Palestine um, channel, they do a lot of great work. They have been following the, the West Bank and the whole situation in Is Israel and Palestine uh, closely for yeah, months, if not years, right? Um, so take a look there because um, I, I know they are looking into the um, this latest incursion, right? So take a look there, and maybe you'll find something that's that's useful. So I started doing that. Um, I, I looked there. I started communicating with with the people there, just sharing some of the stuff that I found as well. And yeah, that way we got we started talking, chatting a little bit, and uh, yeah. Uh, Chris, um, yeah, allowed me to access his Atlas instance, this database I was talking about. And yeah, that's um, how, how it started. Then I was sharing also some other uh, content that I was finding on the internet, on Telegram channels, etc. And um, yeah. People That's are, it, actually. People are welcoming you to the dark side, Yuri, uh, since you joined. <laughs> um, and Timothy suggested that Bellingcat members should get a training on Discord. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We're going to get more and more staff on here, I promise. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody said, sadly, anyone of Eric's age or older, apparently too old for Discord, per the New York Times. Um, <laughs> we'll hopefully challenge that. Um so you were talking about how they initially got involved. What do you think are Bellingcat staff looking for in terms of collaboration with the Discord community? Um, kind of what, what are you looking for when you're scrolling through our Discord? What, what, could, what would people, would it be useful for people to know here in the Discord server who potentially want to eventually collaborate with Bellingcat? Kind of what, what information are you looking uh, from each individual member to kind of qualify for the status of collaborating with Bellingcat? So taking this case as an example, I think, because it's easier to talk about, yeah, something that's happened in real life and something that pertains to me, right? Um, so yeah, some of the things that, uh, why, why were the things that they were sharing there uh, useful? Well, um, of course, with every incursion, like armed conflicts, there are going to be casualties. Um, oftentimes, the first thing you want to know is where something happened, right? So all of that was being shared already in the Israel-Palestine channel. Uh, people were um, sharing footage, um, yeah, referring to where they found the footage, where it came from, from this and this channel, or uh, this and this social media group. Um, this is the location, if they had the location, or asking people to help identify where it was. Uh, so all of that, right? Like, especially if it's something that, yeah, that's interesting to, to you, or you feel like it's going to be interesting to find out what actually happened, right? So that was the case with the video of the, of the dead bodies between the, the parked cars, right? It was a video that, yeah, initially we, we didn't know a lot about, um, but we were, Fuka and I were pretty intrigued in finding out what, what was going on. Um, but this was something that, yeah, 
happen more like ad hoc. But sometimes I will go like just over social media, over um, Twitter. I, I keep scrolling there, trying to find something um, that, yeah, um, yeah, that that grabs my attention pretty much, right? Um, and if people are sharing all, all of these things here, right, um, it, it makes a good place to, to start looking for leads. Um, I know there are like several channels, I don't know, um, dozens of channels here. I don't monitor all of them. There are simply too many, right? Um, but I think like the work that you guys are doing already or the people in this uh, server uh, are doing it's already um, great, right? If if you are sharing the geolocations with the location where you found the information, maybe as you find more context and share that there, all of that can help other people who are researching the same thing to um, yeah find useful resources or useful information. And that was my case, so I reached out to to the guys uh, asking if I could use some of the, the stuff that they did um, and then add some of my own things there. Um, yeah. I think and also, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, just to, to finish. Also, if you think um, there is a researcher, right, that um, is interested in a particular topic um, and you think he might be interested, like, in my case, I don't mind if you send me a DM, right? Um, I've had that in the past, like people shoot me a, a message. I cannot guarantee I'll have time to, to look into that or uh, it, it's also going to depend on what we can find out eventually. Um, but I don't mind doing that. Um, I know like some people focus more on a particular um, yeah, range of topics. Right, like Michael uh, Colburn focuses mostly on, um, yeah, the far right. So if you happen to know something, I, I'm pretty sure he also monitors what's going on here in the in the channels, right? Um, I don't know if he minds you uh, pinging him. I guess not, but I certainly don't. So um, yeah. I think uh, over time as well, hopefully um, the Bellingcat staff members who represent different uh, topics will become a little bit more prevalent and a little bit more obvious in the server uh, over time. That's the hope anyway. Um, I know Michael, as you mentioned, is very active in the far right channel. Um, I think clear and concise is always so really useful. Tristan says he can speak for himself, but what he's looking on the for on the server is mostly people who have skills slash knowledge that I don't have, but I'm interested in, for example, the South Asian far right and pieces of information that could lead to a story. For example, I got the idea from my 09A article from a random voice chat conversation in another server. And you can read that article on a website and you can also listen to Tristan talk about that in a previous stage talk. I'd also say that the Bellingcat server isn't just uh, for working with Bellingcat. We're trying to encourage you guys to uh, also practice your open source skills. And if you're new to the server, um, you can check out uh, one of our newest channels, uh, which is about uh, publication preparation. So if you are looking kind of to publish your own work, even if it's on Medium or on uh, just a blogging website, you can check out hashtag publication preparation, that channel, 
and uh, that Sarah, uh, one of our lovely mods, uh, set up. And maybe Sarah, you can link to it in the chat um, for help and guidance on how to get ready uh, for publication, even if it's just publication on your own uh, benefit. Um, I know quite a few people in this uh, audience and also in the Discord server themselves have also collaborated with lots of different organizations, uh, including the New York Times, for example. Um, so please don't think that uh, this server is just to work with Bellingcat, but we are here and uh, ready to help. And hopefully uh, our staff members will become a lot more prevalent in the, in the Discord server um, to kind of communicate with you guys and learn a lot more about um, what you're interested in, what you want to research. Uh, Sarah says, come talk to me. Uh, she loves publication. So that, that's a pointer for you. Um, I think uh, a couple of people are asking uh, a couple of questions. I can see a lot of typing at the moment. Um, what do you think is the value for users new to the community to get involved with topic channels that Bellingcat staff are actually chatting in? Um, so if you're not kind of looking to collaborate immediately, if you're kind of new to open source, what kind of, what can talking to a Bellingcat staff member teach you, uh, Yuri? What, what would you say to that? Yeah. I think like talking, and I don't think it's necessarily just talking with us, right? Um, but with other people in general, um, as you mentioned, I mean, there are people here who have worked with the New York Times, other publications, but so in general, I think you, you also get an understanding of what other people, what these people are looking for, right? Um, what they need to know in order to do something with that information. Um, I, I think also when I started out, um, when I was new to this, it was always like difficult, okay, to, um yeah pick some yeah pick, pick some cases that uh you can actually like do something uh with it right like so um there are a lot of things that are happening um you can jellicate a lot of different things right um but uh what is going to be more significant for uh a publication so talking with the people here also sharing what you know, what you find out while doing show occasions or other type of research um, by the way people reply, right? Uh, or yeah, you, you will find out more. Maybe someone will reach out to you asking you how you found, uh, how you found it or tell you, okay, that's really interesting. Um, uh, I'm wondering if we can find out more about uh, X, Y, Z, right? Uh, so I think, that is, um, I think that's pretty key, right? Yeah, I think uh, Natasha like uh, agrees with you. She said, I've found a lot of help in this server by seeing what all the other non-Bellingcat members are saying about their different interest areas. It can help learn a lot about topics I don't know much about, uh, which I think is exactly what this Discord server is hoping to achieve. Uh, Timothy asks, if question, if it applies to this talk, how often does an idea for a story end up nowhere or is impossible? Or how difficult is it to judge if a story is, po is possible to tell? I think this is more of an editorial question, but maybe you can, you can answer it. Yeah, uh, it happens a lot to me, right? That I have a, a good idea, right? Or I think I have a good idea. Um, 
I started investigating, and it's um, interesting, right? Um, but then nothing happens with it. Um, yeah, not, nothing really comes of it. So that happens uh, quite a bit, um, which, yeah, you, you shouldn't be discouraged by, by that, right? Um, also, yeah, it's a bit of an editorial question, so sometimes I will have an idea. I will pitch it to the, the editors or talk to them. Uh, see what they think and sometimes they're interested but um it's it's going to require way more information way more evidence and whether you're going to be able to find that yeah you, you never know before you start doing it right before you start researching um also in our case we focus heavily on open sources um so yeah we, we tend to stick to this not completely but mostly and maybe it's something that's not going to work for uh, for us, but it might work for yeah another publication like traditional journalism, right? Uh, because maybe um, you cannot prove something just through open sources. Don't be discouraged by that. Um, also, try to chat with other people, see what what they think, and maybe you cannot do anything with that. Um, maybe someone else can. Or maybe you cannot do anything with it now, but in a couple of years when more information comes out or in a couple of months, um, yeah, you can. Yeah, just building on that, if community members are working with a staff member on an article, a piece of research, like you did with Chris, Remy, and Gabor, what kinds of checks and processes should community members expect their work to go through? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. I guess it's not ne um, not necessarily like a, a process that uh, happens every time, but uh, in this case, um, yeah, often I had two editors check um, uh, what I was doing either because one was busy with something else and um, someone else needed to to help out, or because they weren't um, yeah entirely sure, so they wanted to double check. Um, and yeah, oftentimes I think it's everywhere, right? Like you will get a lot of questions from, from the editors and, uh, often your article will start out one way and end up, yeah, the, the, the article will completely change towards the end. Right. Uh, so that's not, not really something to be discouraged about. It's part of the, of, yeah, let's say the job or part of this. Um, and also sometimes you will get questions where you feel like, okay, that seems like a very basic question, right? But you have to, uh, understand that, uh, you have to place yourself in the shoes of someone who is not really, uh, knowledgeable in this or, uh, sees this, doesn't know what open source investigations are. Um, yeah, comes across this for the first time. How do you explain it to, yeah, such a person, right? Uh, so you you really have to yeah um, expect that right don't um, don't be discouraged when like uh, they ask you something which for you is obvious but for someone else might not be it's not necessarily that they don't believe you but yeah you you have to try to explain it to them and you have to think like if you are able to convince someone who knows absolutely nothing about uh, about the geolocation that this is the same place, then someone else, right? Um, me or 
someone else uh, will likely also understand the explanation. Yeah, Timothy says, think uh, the don't get discouraged remark is one that can't be repeated enough. It's a difficult one to walk into a closed door, 100%. And Tristan says, it's the editor's job to make the article bulletproof. Every single claim needs to be well supported and clear. It'll be a very long process, especially for in-depth investigations. And that's completely true. What I was, what I was going to bring up is that almost every single, well, every single claim that you make, you have to make sure that you have backup. So if you, for example, have posted... Uh, in the Discord server, let's say you're in the Israel-Palestine channel, you found a video and you posted it in there as uh, something and then you geolocated that. We need to know where that original video was posted. So we need to know the original source as well as all of the information that led to the geolocation that you did. Um, you need to have that back data ready. And that's part of just getting ready for publication. Um, and I think almost every single uh, publication outlet would ask you for that kind of proof as well. Um, one by one for each individual source, which is why uh, making sure uh, that you have archived your sources and made sure you've got the original posting uh, is really, really important because there's nothing worse than trying to go back to find a source and finding that it was deleted from uh wherever you found it from. Uh, <laughs> Tristan says, everyone knows apparently isn't a valid source. Well, uh, no, it's not. Uh, neither is Trust Me Bro, yeah. uh, Nerd Guy 07. <laughs> um, yeah, I think also another thing, right? Like it, it happens sometimes to me as well. When, when you're investigating, you sometimes forget to archive things. But if you can do it as you go, you will save a lot of time, right? So try to do that. I know it's, Archiving is a very boring and tedious job, right? Um, but try to do that. It will save you time. Yeah, Callan says, one of my own personal approach has been to assume I'm presenting a case in the court and every minute detail has to be vetted. And that's very true. I mean, you are basically presenting a case. And if you can't back up everything you're saying, then it's not going to be published. Um, so it's really, really important to note. We have literally a couple of minutes left. So if you have any questions, please get them in the chat right now. Um, I'm interested, Yuri, in what uh, you think about working with the community and, and what you particularly will be looking for in the next couple of months. Is there any particular topics that you're going to be in the Discord server looking at in the next couple of months? And, and are you excited to work with the community again? Or has Chris Gabon... Uh, uh, Kemi, put you off. <laughs> Remy, put you off. <laughs> no, um, it, it was great. Um, again, like, shout out to them. Um, I, I'm going to keep an eye on what's happening in uh, Israel and Palestine. I don't know how things are going to develop, but there's always something happening there. Um, and also in the past, I've, um, yeah, focused a lot of my investigations on, um, yeah, Sub-Saharan Africa mostly. Um, so I'm also going to check what's being shared there. Uh, right now, I have a couple of things that, you know, I, I need to work on a couple of uh, other investigations. I'm not my investigations, but I'm helping out. Um, so I need to do that first. A couple of um, workshops coming up as well. So it's going to be a bit busy for me, but I'll try to keep an eye on the things that are happening. Um, and yeah, right now, as you all know, or as you probably heard, the Sahel, right? Sahel region is a bit volatile right now. Uh, Niger, um, 
Sudan, of course, but also Mali, uh, Burkina Faso. Uh, I'll keep an eye on what's happening there. So if you are following this really yeah, closely and you come across something that's very in- interesting, yeah, feel free to, uh, yeah, you can send me a message or if you're sharing stuff in the um, in a particular channel, um, you could also tag me. Um, you don't need to do that, but I'll try to check check it out for myself as well. Um, but yeah, I think those are the things that um, are going to be interesting to, to follow. Obviously, there are a number of other things that are happening as well, um, but uh, yeah, these things are coming to, yeah, coming to my mind right now. Last questions. Uh, Natasha asks, what if a topic we are following isn't one normally followed by Bellingcat or there isn't a team member who works on it? I don't know if you can speak to that, Yuri, if you have any advice for somebody who's working on a topic mm-hmm. that isn't currently covered by Bellingcat. Yeah, so I don't think like, uh, well, we're still a small group of people to um, yeah cover all the topics that are out there that you could do with open source. Um, I, I don't think you should be discouraged by that. You, you might even be able to uh, do something yourself, right? Uh, even if no one no one else is able to to work with you on that, you could try to um, yeah work on it yourself. Um, also, yeah, I, I think you you should keep uh, sharing what you find if you want, of course. Um, work on that, even if no one from us, from the staff, is actively checking uh, what, what's being shared there. Uh, sometimes, as um, Charlie is saying, as others are saying, there are people from other organizations here. Uh, maybe they are interested, right? Um, so, uh, and, and also, you never know how things change, right? I, I've been someone who has covered um, yeah, several different areas, right? I've done a lot, um, like I've looked quite a lot into Cameroon, uh, Niger, a bit Nigeria, right? Um, mostly in relation to conflict. Um, but sometimes I, yeah, start looking into other things as well. So it, it varies. But I would say, like, keep doing your thing, right? Like, maybe you have been like looking into this area. Um, you found out a lot. Maybe there's someone else from a different organization you want to pitch to, or maybe you think, okay, I know this is not something you typically cover, but I think this is a really interesting case. Uh, can you can you have a look, see what um, what you think, or maybe you can contribute? Definitely, and I would also say that Bellingcat is expanding what we cover. Uh soon as well and we're also uh, as long as it's open source uh it's definitely worth kind of reaching out to us uh timothy says big example is still the ukraine geolocation slash geomouse it ended up not being suitable for bellingcat but the center of uh cir adopted the data um with 2000 plus geolocations done by us all which is a really really great example um also sarah mentions that you can, one of the things you can do in the hashtag publication preparation channel is we can critique, or as in we as the community can critique what you are trying to publish. So that can be really, really helpful if, for example, you have 
got this partnership with an organization for the first time and you've not really published, for example, to a news organization before, we can help in that channel. So please do make do make uh, use of that. Sorry, Timothy. Yes, you're right. It's the Center for Information Resilience. I've got, I've got tongue-tied there for a second. Um, thank you so much, Yuri. I think we should wrap there now, seeing as it's two minutes uh, to the hour. Um, thank you so, so much for joining us today um, and for talking about your fantastic research with the Discord community and expanding on a little bit more about how not only you've worked with the Discord community uh, members previously, but how you are hoping to work with them going forwards. And thank you to everybody who has taken the time out to uh, listen today and ask questions. It's been great having you here in the audience. Um, this particular talk will hopefully be on all podcasts. We're now launched on the RSS uh, feed. So you can find us hopefully now on Apple, Google, Spotify is my favorite. Um, and we're also on uh, SoundCloud as well as uh, Sir Toasty is linked in the chat. Yuri, thank you so much for talking with us today. And yeah, thank you everybody for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Stage Talk. If you'd like to catch a Stage Talk live and ask the guest questions, Join the Bellingcat Discord server by visiting www.discord.gg forward slash Bellingcat. The music you've heard is titled 1983 by Ben Elson and is courtesy of Epidemic Sound. <laughs>